Welcome to the Fee for Service podcast. We've got a really cool show for you today. And I know I'm showing my age when I use that expression. We have special guest, Dr. Dan Allman, who is a fee for service dentist who just recently dropped his Delta Dental patients, which comprise 70% of his practice. And our other guest is a mystery guest who's a dentist in the same exact situation, looking for advice and help to get there. So between myself, which is very little, and Dr. Allman, which is big, let's see if we can't help them out. Stay tuned and listen. And this podcast, as as has been, is sponsored by Kettenbach USA, Kettenbach Dental. Imagine one product with every cementation protocol available called Semcor. It's a wonderful material. It's hydrophilic for adhesion and hydrophobic for core buildup. Check out Kettenbach Dental at kettenbach-dent.us or kettenbachdental.com or call 877-532-2123. Enjoy the show, folks. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. All right. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Podcast. Today we have a first. We are going to talk to two doctors. One of them is going to be Dr. X who has successfully dropped all PPO plants except for Delta Dental. And our special guest, as well as Dr. Dan Alleman, most of you will know on Fee-for-Service Facebook group and from a lot of things he does. And he has successfully dropped all insurances, including Delta, which used to comprise, drumroll, 70% of his practice. So Dan is going to help Dr. X, and I'm just going to moderate and have some fun so great let's start with our doctor dr x talk about your concerns what do you what are you seeing uh hi thanks for having me on the podcast uh really appreciate the chance to have this conversation uh and also thanks dan for showing up uh it's it's great to get advice from someone and i appreciate you taking time for us today um, so I'm in a expensive market. I'm in a, a market where, um, my, uh, my, my fees for staff have gone up pretty, pretty much, uh, in the last year I've seen hygienists getting hired for $70 an hour. I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing assistants making in the mid thirties an hour. So things are getting, can really I ask you a question here? Yeah, go ahead. Relatively, what were they making three years ago? I bought my practice 
five and a half years ago. And at that time, uh, people were getting hired about $45 an hour. For hygiene? For hygiene. So hygiene went from 45 to 70. Yeah. And then uh, assistants assistants were in the... Yeah, they went. They were in like the low twenties at that time. I had a I had an assistant who'd been in the practice for twenty years when I bought the practice, and she was making twenty four. And now I'm seeing people with relatively little experience making thirty, mid thirties an hour is what people are getting hired for in my market. Okay. So like the staff costs have exploded. Um, so you're talking I'm wanting about 40 to fifty percent increase in your in your payroll. Yeah, pretty, pretty significant. Um, I mean, of course, everybody knows about all the other uh, yep. fees that have been going up lately for all of our supplies and everything else. Uh, it's, it's not a week goes by that I don't get another um, notice from another supply company that says that they're yep. raising all of their costs this year. Um, it's going to make it hard to remain in network and um, still be able to provide the same level of care. Um I have not seen my Delta dental fees go up. I, I think they've gone up four percent in since I've gone up since I've owned this practice at least. And I know they didn't go up before that because I know there was a huge cut uh, to the, all the Delta, Delta dental fees back in 2011, at least in my state. So in, so in so, five years, five years, yeah. you've had yeah. a four percent increase in the reimbursement. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Yeah, yeah. So they're definitely not keeping up with inflation, that's for sure. (laughs) Even even without the, the recent uptick in inflation. Sure. Okay. How many, uh, approximately what's your makeup of Delta patients? What's your percentage? I had my uh, office manager uh, run the numbers in preparation for this. And uh, she told me that my, our, our uh, Delta or our Delta Dental patients are somewhere around 70 or 80%. Okay. So very similar. Those, okay. Yeah. Very similar. Very similar. And of those, uh, about half are in-state specific uh, for our Delta Dental of our state. I, I forget, uh, Dr. Ellenman, what what the market are you in? Since you're more comfortable saying where you are. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, okay. and it is probably one of the more, if not, you know, top five percent as far as cost of living. Um, of you know, everything around us. Uh, I've been in town for 14 years and, um, you know, when I started hygienists were making 38 to 40 an hour and now they're 45, 50, you know, and up, and, you know, we see temps asking for $85 an hour and, you know, what makes it difficult is you're competing with, practices. Now, my philosophy is to not do accelerated hygiene. So you're competing with practices that volume is the number one focus, it does not matter about quality. And you get these people that are chasing the dollar. So, you know, my practice, um, Almond Family Dental, I'm focused on patient care first, patient experience, 
Um, you know, our team is a cohesive unit. Um, we've had people that have been here for a long time. Our patients know us, we know them, we see them outside. I mean, Boulder's got about 106,000 people. Um, so it's a decent sized city. It's, yeah, um, it's smaller than I thought. Okay. Yeah, it's a decent sized city, but you, you tend to see people, you see your patients out, you know, frequently. Um, that's similar. That's similar to our geographic. We're a little bit yeah. less, but definitely, I, I would never consider Binghamton in, in the Boulder category. So that's interesting. So yeah, go ahead. and Boulder, Boulder has a limitation on how many people can live here because we have open space and certain geographic requirements for building and all that stuff. So we're kind of limited as far as that goes, but uh, they've been putting a lot of high density housing in and um, within a block of me, I mean, we have a brand new, it's like hundreds of thousands of square feet of Google. Uh, they're about a block from me. And, um, you know, even though I'm completely out of network with every insurance, we're still listed on their internal list of dentists, you know, to go to, I'm sure there's others, but um, when I ask Google employees, Hey, you know, how did you find us? They said, well, you're on our spreadsheet and, you know, a lot of people have referred you. And so that's really what I, uh, you know, that's how we get our new patients. So that's how we're able to, um, you know, afford higher wages. And, um, you know, we're not trying to make it all up in volume. It's hard to find people now. It's very hard to find people um, to, to work. And so, you know, when you're able to charge an appropriate fee for what you do, you can then turn around and pay a wage that is at the current market rate. Um, it's very hard to do that when you're writing off 30, 40, 50% of your fees. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's start. If I can ask so real quick, uh, just to interrupt, yeah. I'm sorry to, um, but how did you get your name on that list at Google? Do you have any idea? Well, so, I mean, I had previously been in network with their insurance, which I think is, oh, okay. Yeah. It's Delta California, I believe. And so they just haven't um, taken you off or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's more, it's a referral list. It's not really right. a preferred provider list, like an insurance list would be, you know, last month. Uh, so that would have been March of 2022. We had 19 new patients and that's all from internal marketing. That's asking people to write, good reviews. Uh, obviously, we have to support that with the experience and with the clinical outcome and everything else. Mm -hmm. But if if we're able to have people turn around, write reviews, tell their family, tell their friends, we're getting people that are of the sim similar mindset to come in right. that value what we do and understand. I mean, a lot of our patients understood why we had to go out of network. They know. I mean, nothing's gone down in cost. You know, uh, supplies have exploded. Uh, I mean, taxes taxes on our uh, space have gone up in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything costs more except for what we're in. It's weird because I feel like dentistry is the only profession where we will willingly, quote unquote, willingly accept lower fees year after year. And I don't understand that. I mean, nothing has gone down in 10 years, let alone the last 10 months. I mean, Dan, when, when did you, know. you make the move? Let me ask you that. Was, was, so, it, was it anything to do with the pandemic timing wise or no? So I started the process. Uh, so I've been in practice since 2008 and I started this process sometime around 2014. And okay. at one point I was in network with 
25 plans, something like wow. that. I don't remember the exact number. Yeah, you were, you were in trend. Yeah, it was the, the practice that I bought. I, I didn't know what I was buying. You know, I was fresh out of school trying yep. to figure it out. You know, you're just flying by the seat of your pants, hoping for the best. I mean, everything else that's gotten you to where you are now is just by like almost brute force to get through school. And it's like, got to get out, got to figure this out. Um, right. You know, I mean, I, I had just no work one to harder. talk to. Work I'm the, yeah. Harder. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And uh, you know, I didn't have anybody to lean on. Uh, I'm the first in my family to go to college. So it's like, I'm trying to figure everything out, everything. Mm -hmm. So 2008, um, the, I bought my practice in February of 2008, started it in March, March 3rd of 08. And then the housing market crashed a couple months later. Yeah. You talk, so I've been, timing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been through this before and you know, you're sitting there going, okay, I've got this, you know, quarter of a million dollars of student loan debt. I've got another 600 grand in practice debt. Uh, you know, it's a heavy weight. It's a, it's a lot to bear. And you're trying to figure out how do I make this all work? And, you know, at that time, the only thing I knew was volume. You've got to hurry. You've got to have, you know, delegate to, to have your edits do everything. Um, in Colorado, you know, we have edits or EFTAs as they're called in some other parts of the country. Yep, yep. And, um, you know, after probably the 17th or 18th filling that I had to replace, I was like, I, I got to just do these on my own. And so, you know, that's probably around 2009, 10. And then four years after that is when I really began the process of dropping insurances. The way that I did it, um, I don't recommend in the beginning because it was more just out of, um, you know, some, some kind of like, I got to do this now, just rip the bandaid off, hurry, get it done. I didn't even recredential. It was like, I didn't even tell my patients. I didn't even inform insurance. I just didn't recredential. I don't mm. recommend doing that because I, you know, this time around when I went out of network with Delta, because it was such a huge part of my practice, um, 70%. I mean, most of my patients still have Delta. We use their out of network benefits, um, you know, for everything. And, um, you know, we try to help them maximize the, the insurance benefits that they do have. But I spent a year talking face to face with every single patient mm -hmm. and explaining to them. And this was, you know, after the pandemic, this was Delta was the last one that yeah, I was did, in network you, with. Yeah, when did you pull that trigger for Delta? So 2019 is when I had the idea to just finish off what I had started. And yep. then obviously, well, so I had moved my practice to a new building. Um, I've moved twice actually in the last 14 years and I'm done moving, never doing that again. Uh, don't and, say never, go ahead. And, well, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad enough experience to be like, I will I will just flat out quit dentistry before I have to move a, a dental practice again. Oh, so you're probably that. still paying off quite a bit of like build out costs and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, yeah. well, so I, 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 I bought my space essentially out of necessity. I mean, there's not really very many places in Boulder to rent. Um, you know, I had an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and, you know, so, Hey, whatever, just make it work. And, um, you know, so that was 2019. And then as costs increase, you know, with having a mortgage and having to pay taxes and everything else, then I was like, you know, I've got to just finish what I started here, uh, back, you know, five years prior. 
And so um, the pandemic hit, obviously, and then everything got turned upside down, being closed for eight weeks. Uh, during that eight weeks, I just was alone with my thoughts. And I was like, it is time. I've got to do this. And so I, um, I, I found out about Gary Takis from a, a friend of mine who mm -hmm. practices up the road from me. And so I contacted him and I worked with him for a year. The number one thing that that I focused on in the beginning, because I was already doing many of the things that he describes in, you know, the steps that he lays out, um, you know, like if I'm ignorant of Gary Takis, is this somebody I should look up? It, I, yeah. He's uh, the thriving dentist. He's a podcaster. Uh, okay. Like the number one dental podcaster. No offense, Sonny. Uh, <laughs> no, no, none taken. No, he's a, he's a, a big guy. And I love dentistry Facebook group also. Yes. Yeah. I love dentistry Facebook group. Um, he actually just came out and spoke. Uh, I started a group here in Colorado for dentists that are interested in, in going out of network and um, started it in March. And we had almost 100 dentists show up uh, in person a couple of weeks ago to listen to him speak. And, um, you know, the desire is there. I mean, it, you know, we're sitting here going, you know, how, how much faster can we go? How much how many more corners can we cut? How many more creative things can we come up with to delegate patient care? I'm like, my name's on the door. It better be on that filling, you know, it better be on that crown. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, these are the sorts of things that I feel like patients will, will value and pay for if you show them that value and give them a reason to, to see you and to come back to your practice. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, I believe that this can be done really anywhere. And when people go, well, that'll never work in my area. It's like, well, my area is very expensive, period. So, you know, it doesn't work to do the opposite and accept these fees that can't even pay overhead. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Mathematically, I mean, you know, you're, you can only run so fast. And, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that are going to be like, oh, yeah, I can do a crown prep in a minute. It's like, that's great. But how long is that crown going to last? You know, when I do this, and I always tell my patients, I want to do this one time and one time only. And they go, yeah, so do I. And I'm like, who wouldn't, <laughs> you know? But if right. you're going to sit there and try to try to shoot for price and shoot for speed and hurry, hurry, it's like, you're going to have a crown that'll last you half the, the, the length of time that it should last. Um, you know, I tell my patients when I put a crown in, I want that thing to go 20 years. I mean, hopefully longer. I mean, I've got crowns that I put in 14 years ago that still look like the day I put them in. And that's what's important. And what I feel like our profession has lost is the mindset of patient care comes first. Everything now is volume and money and EBITDA and everything else. And it's like, how many multiples can I get? How many practices can I buy? How many, when's the next rollover? It's like, how many, hurry, hurry, hurry. I mean, yeah, they're making great money, but you know what, at the end of the day, there's still a person on the other end of that tooth. Yeah. And, and I'm going, why am I sitting here trying to speed through stuff? I'm happy with what I do. You know, the money is there. The money comes. I'm not worried about that. It's, it's the patient care and the experience and the fact that they leave and they tell 10 of their friends about us. My name comes up in just random conversations when I have a new patient come in. You know, oh, yeah, that somebody was just talking about you. And I said, well, who was it? And they go, I don't even know. They were just talking about you at a restaurant. And I was like, well, that's cool. You know, who talks about their dentist? It's like, that's the sort of thing that I want. Yeah. You know, that's so what is I that want a, from my patients. Is that a value that you're communicating to them and like 
in every appointment somehow? Or like, is that something that you're showing through action or is that something that you're talking to them literally and saying, Hey, just so you know, this is what we're all about. And this is what you're getting with us. It's it's all the above. And you know, and it takes practice in the beginning to make it so that your team understands the flow because you don't want it to sound robotic or fake, but it's like, and and if, and if it doesn't exist, then they're not going to be able to sell it no matter how badly you want them to, you have to make sure that everything is in place. Clinical excellence yeah. first, you know, right. clinically excellent. And then after that, the best technology, make the experience better. You know, uh, it starts with a new patient exam. So we bring the patient in. I don't meet with them in an op. I meet with them in my consult room. I talk to them face to face, just like this. And I, and I ask them questions. And the, and the important questions are, you know, what brings you in today? Does anything hurt? What were your past experiences like? I want to try to know what they've experienced. And, you know, if they say, you know, I've, I've had terrible experiences in the past, I say, well, you're not going to have that here. We spend our time, we take our time to do it right, to get to know the person, to understand their needs. Uh, you know, you're asking the pertinent questions in the beginning of why are they here? They could have picked anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and especially right. if you're out of network, they could have picked anyone on the list of hundreds of people that are in network. They, they want what's the, the best quality. And so, you know, those are the sorts of questions that you ask in the beginning, and that's how you tailor the experience for that patient, because it's not one size fits all. Uh, You know, my assistants give a tour of the office. They show our, you know, our CEREC. We have a prime scan. We use a Celea laser. Um, I was one of the first in Colorado to have that. Uh, We, you know, we do most of our class twos, threes, fives, ones without anesthetic, which is really cool. we have a 3D printer now. We're 3D printing all of our appliances, uh, uh, not not retainers, but we 3D print our night guards. You know, turning that around in one to two business days versus waiting a month right. to get it back from a lab um, or taking a stone impression and having it break on the way to the lab. I mean, there's just many things that you can do to differentiate yourself. Let me let me so, get back to a question though, because because you, you started talking about it, you were going to spend a year just informing face-to-face every patient so you said the pandemic so i'm gonna i'm gonna guess june 2020 you started having those conversations uh yeah it was actually may may of 2020 when we started the conversations Mm -hmm. and again because i had eight i had eight weeks to sit there and think about my think about what I wanted for the future of my practice because at that point it's like you don't even know I mean the first week you're like am I just done was this just like was this it because the bills keep coming in you know but there's no there's no production I mean which is another funny thing because there's no there's no claims to pay you know so insurance companies love that but when we're sitting here going I'm I'm my bills keep rolling in you know, and I'm trying to take care of my, my team members. I'm trying to take care of my family. I'm trying to make sure everything's balanced and paid. And there's no way in the world that something like this could have been predicted. I mean, I wouldn't have thought, obviously, you know, you have disability insurance in case you get disabled, but (laughs) I had no coverage from any of the insurances. Uh, You know, I have the Hartford. I asked them, Hey, you know what? I, I've got this business disruption insurance. Yeah, yeah, a pandemic's not covered. So you're sitting there going, okay, well, I have no help at all. Oh, wait a second, wait a second. So, are you saying that insurance companies 
are a little self-serving at times. Like, <laughs> what is that, is that a possibility that you don't wait get, a minute? They, 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 <laughs> they sold you the sleeves out of their vest. Is that uh huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. It's just and such an unusual tactic. So. It's, it's crazy, you know. And I always so, joke around that those that those signs on NFL stadiums don't pay for themselves, right? Yeah. So, 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 so let me ask you now. So, you start the conversations in May. When did you pull the plug on Delta? Like, so, so you're going to have take, it for a year. Yeah. Did you say, it, "Listen, May 2021, I'm out." So what I would say to them in the beginning, because I really didn't have a definitive date because I didn't know how long it was necessarily going to take, you know, our schedule was so spread out in the beginning after, after coming back, you know, we didn't have a normal uh, patient flow going on. So we had a lot of, you know, you had to wait in between patients and waiting for public health orders and so forth to expire. So I didn't know how long it was going to take, but what I would leave it as was, you know, this is what we're going to do. It's not, this is what we're thinking about. It's, this is what we are going to do. What that actually did was it kind of, you know, gave patients who were just definitively driven by insurance coverage to leave. Some of them left. And during Mm -hmm. that time, some of them came back. And I thought, well, this is interesting. I didn't expect this to happen because everything you read online is, oh, if you drop insurance, you're going to lose everybody. Everybody's going to leave. They're all going to go right. away. Right. Oftentimes, so that's actually it comes from the people who haven't done it. They haven't ever done this, but they're just saying it like it's just going to happen when it does not actually happen. So, yeah, go Were ahead. Were you tracking the numbers for how many patients left and how many came back, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So during that time, we weren't tracking it to the to the person, but I have it right, right now. We're at about, um, you know, after we finished going out of network, I think we lost somewhere around 13% of our patients. Um, like total patients, not just total, Delta patients. Yeah, total so that's patients. pretty significant. But we're up about 21% on collections. Right, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. So everything balances, everything balances. Like I said, we had 19 new patients last month. We have, right now, in April, we have, in the months not over yet, but we have 15 new patients this month. So we're we're reloading the, the, those losses with new patients mm-hmm. all the time. And so, so because, of, because of that, during that year, I had, a, I had a plan in place to set up my marketing, my SEO. Um, you know, I got my website up to date. I actually just had my brand new website go live a week, two weeks ago. And uh, it's great. It's got video. It's got pictures. It's got, you know, who we are. It gives the, it tells the story to the patient before they even meet us. So what's important is like your presence to people to to show them why you have a, a greater level of value. So 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 let's let's go through that timeline still a little bit more, just because I think this will yeah. be very helpful. So you start the conversation in May. You don't have your drop dead deadline. So the people that right. still that have Delta are probably going to see you for another cycle, and you're still in network. I did it that way on purpose. And I said, you know, we're going to see you again. The ne- by the next time you see us, we'll still be, we'll still be in network. We, we have not changed our status at that point. And knowing that we had 60 days because in Colorado to, yes. to go out of network and every state is different. So some are 90 days. Right. Um, so you always have to know what, what that timeline is. So I had a kind of a loose date in mind and I was like aiming for the following summer because I figured if I see these people two times and I can also kind of do a dry run to see, okay, who's going to leave, 
who's going to come back. I mean, we've had it happen even since going out of network. And, um, you know, I had a lot of positive feedback from patients during that time where they said, you know, I'm not leaving. I mean, they've been with me for, you know, five years, 10 years, whatever. They're like, we're not going anywhere else. Or some of them who've been with me during, from the very beginning for, you know, 14 at that time, 13 years, um, go somewhere else don't like the experience and come back. They haven't been anywhere else in 13 years. They don't know. Right. They don't know what else is going on. They, mm -hmm. You know, I got the comments of, you know, I felt like I was herded through like cattle. It's like, that's not <laughs> what we do. And they know that and they value that. And that's really, if you decide that that's how you want to run your practice, this is a great model to, to do it. I mean, you have more time to spend with people. And um, I really believe that can happen almost anywhere. So at that second conversation with that same patient you saw in, let's say, June, now you're getting to that, okay, your next visit is going to be out of network. What were the things that you changed in your conversation and what were the things that you implemented? Like, did you say, listen, we're going to get your credit card on file? What were some of the things that you did practically? Yeah, so what we would say is uh, for, the, for the companies that don't allow you to accept assignment of benefits, Delta being one of them, uh, we would say, when you come in for your next appointment, we collect in full at the time of service. We'll still file the claim on your behalf. We'll still submit the x-rays, the photos, the narrative, everything. And you will get paid directly by your insurance company, usually within 14 business days. And we've asked patients, is that, is that accurate? And they go, that's, that's accurate. That's how it happened. And I'm thinking, man, I never got paid in 14 days. It you better believe it. Of course not. It, it took 30, 60, you got to resubmit four times. And I'm like, nothing's changed, but you know, it's so now that when we send it out uh, by and large, there isn't really much of an issue because you know, the, the, the patient is receiving payment very quickly. Uh, oftentimes it's before a credit card statement would even process. So, um, you know, it, it really is not, it has not been a barrier. And we offer payment solutions. Um, we use a company called DocPay. So if we have very large cases, we collect half of it at the time of service or even before to reserve the appointment time. If it's a very long appointment, then they're able to spread out the remaining half of the balance over the next 12 months with 0% interest. And we don't pay the 9.99% that you would for care credit. So you're not losing even more on top of it. Uh, we offer an in-office membership program, which takes 20% off of our standard fees. Um, you know, some are 5%, some are 10, some are 20. It depends because, you know, lab bills, things like that. There's, there's a sliding scale of, of uh, discounts, but everything's presented up front. I mean, we don't do anything before we present a treatment plan to a patient. So, then they appreciate that. I mean, it gives them the confidence that what we're doing needs to be done. We show them the pictures, intraoral photos are key, um, you know, and, and it's building that confidence and that trust. And then people go, there's not much of an issue of them paying ahead of time because you've built that trust. So. Great. X, you have any more questions? Well, I have so many questions, but <laughs> uh, it sounds like uh, a, a minute ago, you, it almost sounded like you were saying that the insurance company was more likely to pay or less likely to reject a claim when 
the payment was going directly to the to the insured. Is that is that what it sounds like you were saying? So, as far as the percentage of what's denied and so forth, I, I don't have those numbers. It's just right. asking patients, did you get paid quickly? Mm-hmm. And for them to say yes, I mean, it was before, you know, most credit cards are going to have like a 30 day statement cycle. So they're getting paid directly by their insurance plan prior to that statement closing. So it does not affect them carrying a balance or, or anything like that. So, um, but what I was saying was, you know, how, when you send in a claim, I mean, you know, 100% that it was filed correctly. Yep. And it was sent electronically and you've got yep. the IP address that it was sent from yep. and the NEA fast attached number and everything. Yep. And yep. they still deny it. And you go, why? This makes no sense. Nothing's changed. You already did the work. Everything's completed. You resubmit it. They deny it again. You resubmit it a third time. Now it's a month later. And then they pay. Why? Why did it take so long? OPM. It's other people's money. Bingo. Right. And so what I think is they have more responsibility to the patient's yeah. HR, you know, the companies that are paying for these plans, not the patient themselves, but the company that's paying for these plans. They have the responsibility to pay quickly mm-hmm. or else that company is going to go to another insurance company if they're not paying their employees quickly or if they're not paying for claims. That's my thought. The patient's and, more likely to complain directly to HR if something isn't paid. And that's what we tell them. That's what we tell them. We say, you know, if you don't get paid within 14 business days, contact your HR and it gets resolved quickly. So interesting. It essentially takes us, it takes us out of the middle. It takes us out of the middle because oftentimes I feel like, you know, you're stuck in the middle. You're between this nameless, faceless entity and your patient. I only want to be responsible for my patient. I don't want to be responsible for anything else. You and, know? and the patient right. gets upset, and we see this all the time, and they get upset with us, and it's yep. really misdirected anger. Like, right. listen, right. you benefit people. And we they are say doing to us, you should can. know, you should know. And I go, we don't know. And they obscure a lot of things from us. How, do, how are we going to know everything? That's not, yeah. that's not my job to know that. But your HR that signed up for this plan they should know about what they bought and they have the responsibility to the employee employee hence you you know your patient drivers yeah they have the responsibility to to make sure that that is getting taken care of because your responsibility is to treat the patient as a dentist that's it it shouldn't be anything else right you know we're overly concerned about all this other stuff and it's like if we eliminate that third party wedge between us and our patients, boy, it's like it, a whole new world opens up. It opened up for me. I mean, it was crazy. And, and I, and I yeah. expected to lose a lot more people than I lost, but we have people that value what we do, how we do it. The fact that we still file the claim on their behalf, we don't leave them floating out in the void. It's like, if they need help, we do what we can to help. But ultimately if the claim has been filed correctly, and the work is documented completely and correctly, which we make sure right. we do every time, there should right. be no problem. Have you noticed any pushback from the companies? Like one thing I've been struggling with lately is it just seems like they've been changing the clinical the clinical criteria 
for restorations lately. Like they're just <laughs> yeah. randomly well. saying that all this work I've already done is no longer criti- clinically relevant or whatever. And so I'm stuck, you know, trying to justify the patient work that we've already decided to do together. Are do you, you have intraoral like, photos? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have changed nothing about the process that I go through for to like justify the work that I do. So, um, so are you noticing any difference in that lately? Because it's been really painful, especially oh, yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Just More this week, ups. they started denying paying profies uh, because we didn't attach a, a, a perio chart with a profi and stuff like that. Like that's a new, that's just a new requirement that they pulled out of the ether to to penalize us, basically to make it harder for us to get payment out of them. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because You're we found <laughs> that that sort of thing does not happen when we collect at the time of service and the right. patient is on the receiving end of the payment. Interesting. So that's really interesting. You know, again, I've never heard that. To before. what percentage? I, I don't have those numbers. I, I there's no way I'm going to be able to know that. Um, yeah. But just from our patients talking to us, we have noticed. Yeah. And, you know, we've already gotten paid for the service, and I still go to bat for my patients. You know, of course. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, calling. I'm, I'm calling an insurance company right now uh, to to battle them about a buildup, and they're saying, "Well, all four cusps were still there." Yeah, but it's like there's half a millimeter around the middle of the, you know, uh, where the restoration previously was and all the recurrent decay that's in there was in there. Uh, You know, you could see the crack that was behind the filling. It's like, I'm not just going to keep patching this tooth until it completely breaks and then we have to extract it. I mean, what what's the point? You know, my job is to try to keep that tooth in that patient's mouth and provide the best service and the best quality of service possible. And, you know, it really, it, that's just what it comes down to. And oftentimes, you know, we don't have that same level of denial of claim when the patient is the one receiving the money. Um, and again, you have to make sure that you're filing the claim properly. I mean, there's no, I mean, you have to do that. Um, but if you've, if you've, you know, checked everything and you know that it's been filed properly, I don't see nearly the level of problems um, come from things like that. And you're right. They they come up with creative ways to not pay dentists every day. So I just want to ask a question, Dan, and, and get to this, and then we're going to get X going too. But in terms of, so you said eight weeks pandemic, you're thinking, you're thinking, but you're committed, right? You said, I didn't say we're going to, so we are doing this. So, and I found that a common vein, everybody who goes speak for service, they burn the boats. This is where we're going. And there's no turning back. Exactly. What about what about your team and your staff? Talk about bringing them on the boat and rowing yes. in the same direction. What did you do? Yeah. So wh- where you started from is how is this going to benefit them? Why are we doing this? And it comes down to we're focused on having that, like I said before, that that patient experience. You know, the best the best experience possible, the best outcome possible, giving patients reasons to tell their friends and their family and their coworkers about us. And as far as it goes with with my team, it's how do, what are we doing to save time? I mean, if we're collecting in in full upfront, we're not sitting on hold for two and a half, three hours. You know, Um, it saves a tremendous amount of time, which then 
is less wasted money on my end paying for people to sit on hold that can go towards a bonus or something to reward hard work. And, you know, it's having people asking patients for five-star reviews and asking for them to refer their friends and family to us. Um, you know, it but, comes but down to changing. having a better daily workflow. But you're and, changing what you've been doing for 14 years. Absolutely. And what we had been doing for 14 years was running around like chickens with our heads right. cut off. And what we're doing now is, is very focused. You know, we have morning meetings every morning at 745. We go over the schedule. We go over any outstanding lab cases or any outstanding account balances or, um, you know, not necessarily any outstanding insurance claims. We have very few of those now, which is nice. And, um, you know, it's, it's about creating a streamlined, focused process. It's being deliberate with why we're here, what we're doing on a daily basis, day in and day out. And everybody has their own position in the team. They have their own responsibility. And, you know, from my office manager to my treatment coordinator, my assistants and my hygienists, you know, it's about running a schedule for my hygienists that aren't overloading them, having them do 30 minute appointments and racing through and barely having any time to talk to patients before they have to hand that patient off to an assistant to polish. Um, yeah, but you know, you know, Doc, I mean, I've been seeing my neighbor, Mrs. Jones, we've been seeing her for 14 years. She's never had to pay a penny. Now I got to ask her to pay us. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. How do you handle that? <laughs> well, so how we handle that is before we went out of network, it was explaining to the patients that what they see us doing in order for us to continue that, that this was a necessity. We couldn't continue with the way that things had been for the prior 14 years or whatever, however many years it was. You know, times have changed. Things are different now. And it's not a matter of trying to ask them for, for pity. It's not what we're doing. We're trying to say, you like this service here, right? And you like the way that we, that we treat you, correct? And you like the time that we spend with you, right? In order for us to do all of those things in 2022, I mean, and this was 2021 when I, in right. 2020, when I was talking to them about that, in order for us to do this in this current environment, and even if COVID didn't happen, I was already on this trajectory to be having these conversations with people. We have to do this. And we're doing this in order <coughs> to maintain this level. We don't want to cut our quality. We don't want to cut corners. I'm not going to sacrifice the quality of the materials that we use. If I wouldn't want to do this procedure or use this type of material for that procedure on my family, I'm not going to do it on you. You know, we want to maintain that level that we've created over the last several years and decade plus, you know, in my instance, and it had to happen. And it was more a matter of we're dealing with entities that don't care about that. That's not their primary focus. Our primary focus is on you. And even though there, you know, there may be a copay up front or it, it's not a, a huge amount of money. Uh, I mean, think of the things that we're competing against. I mean, we're competing against cable TV and cruises and vacations and, you know, all this other stuff. So 
nails, you know, we, hair. Yeah, nails, hair. My wife's a hairstylist, and I joke with her about that. I'm like, oh, you, you got my patience this week. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, and obviously I joke. She, she's actually my number one referral source. So, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool. Um, but you know, we happy we've got wife, all these out. Life. That's right. <laughs> we've got all these these outside non-dental related things that we're competing with why have another layer on top of it you're literally competing with a third party that is its sole purpose is to pay you as little as possible and you're you're trying to prevent you're you're trying to not prevent you're trying to create the best possible outcome for that patient for every single patient that walks in the door and the only way to do that is to spend time with them and time costs money so next, go ahead. I was going to say, so I heard you say a lot of great things that are going to be like great arguments to patients. And I'm wondering when you're having those knee to knee conversations with each patient um, in the six months, a year prior to making the switch, like, do you have some bullet points that you're hitting with every single patient or is it a little bit more? streamlined yeah, i mean like how do you go you know, through over that for for every patient as you're as you're going through those conversations it seems like it seems like it's hard to know how to how to make that efficient and still run your business while well, you're of doing course. Your hygiene checks and all that absolutely um, on, on the build-up there well and you know you're, you're the only one that knows your practice the way that that it is i mean you know uh-huh. your practice best so your patients that come in, some of them you might need to spend a little bit more time with. Some of them already right. immediately are like, oh, yeah, I know. I don't, I mean, I don't even like what insurance my, my company pays for. I don't like the way that things are done. Or You don't really have to spend a ton of time with people that already understand the reason and, and right. the, like the reality behind it. The people that don't quite understand are the ones that you do want to spend a little bit more time with. And just, you know, you want to be honest with them. It might cost you a little bit more. It might. And, you know, but what you're getting, the value that you're getting, you'd like coming here, right? And this is, I mean, I've got patients that have, like I said, they've been with me since the beginning, you know, 14 years ago, and some that have only been with me a couple of years. And I asked them, and again, it goes back to the new patient exam and question, like, what brings you here? I had a bad experience at my last office. Well, why? I felt like I was, a, you know, I was herded through like cattle or whatever. We we focus on the things that provide and create that value so that patients aren't questioning why we did what we had to do. And it honestly, once you start talking about it, you'll start being more comfortable with the things that resonate with your patients. Okay. So um, it's just a matter of practice. Know, it takes time. It, you know, yeah, yeah. and again, it, part of me wanting to do it for a year was to be able to hone how I was talking to people because, you know, we're not trained how to do this. We're trained right. how to make sure the crown margins are perfect. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and sometimes conversations with patients are difficult. We're told, don't ever talk about money. Don't ever talk about treatment. Don't ever, you know, treatment uh, costs. Yeah, don't ever talk for- about insurance. Yeah. Defer to your front office yeah. or defer to your assistant or don't yeah, talk hi. about that. Yeah, hide, run and hide from it. I was like, you know what? I've got to come out. I've got to face it. If I'm going to be the leader of this practice, I have to be able to lead. And I have to show my practice uh, or show my team that in our practice, this is how we do things. And it benefits everyone. It benefits our patients because we can spend time with them. And the materials that we use are the best. And 
you know, the, the, the way that they're treated by my, by my team, uh, you know, I take my team away on team building retreats so that we learn how to communicate with patients and how to create those experiences. Uh, we were at Dent Supply Serona World last year in Las Vegas. I had everyone took a course that was in their specific, uh, you know, area within the practice. And then we came back together and had a, a, a you know, a couple of days of going through notes from those classes. How can we get better? It's always about how do we improve? You know, I'm never comfortable. Like I always want to be improving and, right. and, and, you know, and it, it takes, it takes time and money to do that. And if you're trying to hurry through all this stuff, you don't have time to focus on getting better. You're just trying to keep your head above water. And, you know, it ultimately comes down to patients sense that when the environment in the office has tension because you're trying to just hurry and everybody's running behind. It's just not, it's you know, it's not where I would want to go if I was a patient. So that's what I always ask myself is how would I want to be treated if I was the one that was in that chair, not sitting in the operator's chair. So right. the one thing, the one thing I'll offer you X is having talked to so many different docs about similar journeys. Cause my journey was different. I started in, in fee for service and I've never been out of it. So I don't really appreciate where both of you are coming from completely other than the people I've spoken to. And I could talk about, you know, and this reminds me a lot of Jay Dickert and what he started. And, and he said, you know, the pandemic sort of was the opportunity to say, all right, we're changing. But one thing I will say that's absolutely common is the mindset. Every mm -hmm. single person has said, I am not going back. And that's, mm -hmm. to me, that's key because if you waver, then when you get that really tough patient in your grill, you're, 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 it's going to come out. It, it may not be verbal. It's going to be nonverbal. It's going to be a message. And I think listening to Dan speak, it's very clear. Yeah. It's very, it, it's not curt. It's very clear, direct, informative, and it's non-apologetic. And I think that comes from conviction. So I think right. to me, for yourself, my advice is you got to get to that point. Right. Then I think the other steps absolutely just follow. Right. And after, after, and I echo that Sonny, because after we talk about, you know, what we had to do and why we had to do it, I follow up with, I value you as a patient. I want you to stay here. Our whole goal is to have you be a lifelong patient in this practice. And the way that we feel is best in order to accomplish that is to change our network status. You know, we have, we have to change because unless, you know, we've got so many pressures from the outside that aren't changing, that are going the opposite direction of being able to allow us to spend that time and to treat that patient the best way we possibly can. This was the thing that had to change. And this is the thing that I had control over. I don't have control over my supply costs. I don't have control over my utility bills. I mean, yeah, you can turn lights off and, you know, try to conserve and everything, but the overall cost of things, think of what we spend on a daily basis everywhere has gone up. We don't have control over that. The way that I felt like I, the only way for me to gain control of my practice was to take control where I could. And this was the only area that I could realistically have a big enough change to make a difference, uh, you know, in order to pay for all those other things. Can, can I ask you a question X? I mean, can you tell me what an average profi fee would be from Delta Dental for you right now? Profi example. 
bite wings, let's say? Give uh, me a part. Off the top of my head, it's somewhere in the 90s. I know that my... So let, let's, uh, let's say, let's just make it 110. Okay. You're paying your hygienist, you said, upwards of $70 a month. That's how much... We haven't been successful at hiring. There is such a tremendous uh, shortage in my area. So, but let's, I'm but cleaning let's, teeth but, myself at the moment. Okay, <laughs> but let's let's say you do. I did that as well. I had to do but that as well. But let's say you have a hygienist at $70 guaranteed whether the patient shows or doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then you add electric, supplies, disposable. You're not breaking even at that point. Somewhere. Yeah. Right? So it's almost like it's almost becoming absolutely counterproductive to continue to stay into that point. From just a dollars and cents point, I don't know. That, right. I mean, Dan, your thoughts? I mean, it sounds to me like if I just did root, rudimentary math, and that's the best I could do. That would be my thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you've got when you've got a loss every hour, mm -hmm. you know. Then if they don't show up, right. And then if they don't show up, you've lost even more. And then you add yeah. on top of that the loss of having to pay your office manager or treatment coordinator or whoever you have insurance coordinator, whoever you have that has to sit on hold to try. You know, I always joke that when I was in network, I had to spend $50 to chase down 30, you know, You're probably right. You're probably right. You're, 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 you're sitting there <laughs> and because of the volume, a lot of that gets lost. You know, the math gets lost in the speed. So right. we actually but remember, sit, but remember you talked about, Excellent customer service. Yes. And, and, that's, and that's part of excellent customer service. So you can't yes. do both. You can't you not have both. excellent customer service and try to help your patients chase down that money. Right. And so now, you know, after changing our network status, you know, we're able to charge our, our usual and customary rate. And, you know, people ask, well, what should that be? Well, we can't obviously talk about that. We can't collude. We can't sit there and say, oh, we're going to all set our fees at this. You can't do that. But what you can do is, and I posted about this a couple of times, the fairhealthconsumer.org website. Right. Um, Great. That gives you the 80th percentile for your zip code uh, for, a, for an out-of-network UCR uh, versus the average in-network fee. It's a huge difference, even at that. And I mean, and that's not in the 90th percentile or the top, it's the 80th percentile. Um, you know, my fees are somewhere around there. And again, it's all about having a comfortable level of fees so that we can still yeah. provide that service. We'll still sit on hold and fight an insurance company over a buildup that got denied or some ridiculous thing, you know, that should have absolutely been covered and we submitted it properly. I mean, no question about that. Um, I'm fine but with that. It's the exception, not but, the rule. Anymore. But but and, and it's exactly right because but we're but we still got paid. But I'm fighting to get my patient paid. You know, right. I'm fighting for my patient to receive payment. Yeah. We've you're already still, been you're, paid. You're still yes. A team. Yeah. Yes, and and Pretty they appreciate good. that so much more now than when we were in network sitting there because they never had, they never paid us anything up front and they well, think they everything's free because they're marketed to so heavily that everything that we do needs to be zero costs, mm -hmm. you know, but OPM, we, OPM, everything we have OPM. is not zero cost. And, OPM. you know, it, it, it's just sitting down and thinking about this in a different way because we're so afraid 
and as a, as a, as a whole, I just see dentistry, uh, you know, changing rapidly towards speed and corporate and everything else. I want dentists who don't want that to sit down and think about this in a different way. We're focused too much on how much volume can we generate? It's what kind of service can we provide to the patient? How much does it cost for us to do this service and to provide this level of care? And you know what what is in it for our team members to keep our practice running efficiently and at that high level? Because I'm not paying people, you know, low dollar and burning through people and not even caring about who is in the room treating my patients. You know, it's like I want to make sure that who we have is paid very well and we have to pay higher now because you have to be competitive. There is no way around that. And no matter how much we wish things to be different, it's not going to be different. You know, I had to do hygiene for nine months by myself as well. It is what it is, but you know, I've got two hygienists again, thankfully. And you know, we're, we're back to where we need to be, but in order to do that, I have to pay appropriately. And because I'm getting paid appropriately, I'm able to do that. It just, it's basic business, right? So, so talk X, what are some of your thoughts going forward? For me, um, I, uh, I was uh, looking at my list of questions here and um, a, a, a couple of things still came up like, for example, um, whether or not you noticed a, a decrease in revenue on the short term, like I, for what it's worth, I'm, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty on board with a hundred percent of the conceptual stuff that you guys are talking about. My concerns are nuts and bolts. Like I'm in, I'm in a really tough market. Um, and it's tight right now um basically i would go i would go out, of, out i would go out on network this second if i thought that i could afford it and so for me my concerns are nuts and bolts like whether or not my business can survive um that transition because things are so tight and because yeah that's all there is to it i mean so just then, the, the difficulty well, hiring and stuff then, so, then, so you, some of the you have like a number Sorry, I was going to say, Dan, do you have a number like like this? So what what we're hearing from X is is, is really just is actually you know concern of covering basics. If he has seventy percent of his practice is is Delta, and let's say forty percent of those people leave, right? Then revenue wise, if the thirty percent stay, they now pay regular fees. Where where is that? Where is that? Where's balance the balance point? point? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was curious, um, like for example, whether or not you noticed any decrease in revenue on the short term. No, not at all. Uh, our, our day that we, the day that we went out of network was October 11th of 2021. Literally from that day, we have not had a negative month where we were just kind of hovering at the break even point. Right. We have not had that. We have been at minimum each month at 10% or higher. And it's allowed me to, you know, you talk about your, your, your concern about your business not making it. I would submit that staying in network, you would have a greater chance of not having a business 
five years from now if you stayed in network because each year that goes by even if they're not increasing if they're not decreasing but they're not increasing a penny everything else around you is going up i mean inflation alone right now right uh being what it is i mean there's numbers all over the place eight percent ten percent whatever it is each year that goes by you're even further and further in the hole the longer you stay in network and you know you have to you have to make that up somewhere it has to come from something and usually it comes from delegation volume speed everything else that i've been talking about and you know your primary objective in in trying to convert the mindset of your patients is we don't want to go that route that's not the route we want to go down that's not what we've done traditionally that's not what we want to do this is how we want we want to keep the highest level of service and treatment for you as we possibly can. Um, you talk about being in a tough market. I mean, I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm looking out the window. There is a dentist right there. I'm looking at his sign right now. Right, right across the parking lot, I've got two more. Right. And there's another one over there. Within right. 100 feet of me, mm-hmm. okay, there's yeah. four other dentists. Are they all in network? Uh, one of them just went out of network entirely. Yeah. Is that something that you help them with? Are you guys collaborative at all? Like, do you have a community? They ask me questions kind of like what what we're talking about right now. It's just like, you know, how do we, how did you do it? You know, they ask me, how did you do it? What are the steps you took? You know, it's, it's not me telling them they have to do it. It's if they come to me and ask, I I just tell them what I did, you know, and how I went about it. And, you know, and it's a personal choice. And a lot of it really just comes down to, is that how you want to run your practice? And, you know, I'm in probably one of the most competitive markets in the country. Um, again, you add in the cost of living to that. Um, it's even higher as far as like competition, but it's easier to practice now yeah. uh, that I'm out of network because I'm not so focused and concerned on I've got to be, you know, I've got to right. be seeing 50 new patients a month or 60 new patients a month and trying to, you know, double book, triple book, like how fast can we get done with this? I don't have to think about that anymore because everything else just kind of falls in line. Now there's one thing that I I don't want to gloss over. And and Dan, you, you, you said it very clearly. You talked about your marketing and getting your marketing back. Absolutely. You have to have that before you decide to do this. That has to be in place. That has to be in place. Yeah, that's yeah, a mistake that a lot of guys make. They don't have their marketing up to speed until after, and you want to do it before. Right. You want so to create a runway be- for yourself. You want to create a runway for yourself. And if you're just going to, you know, drop everything tomorrow, you've created a cliff. You don't want a cliff. You want a runway. You want your marketing in place. You want your staff, your, your team members trained on what to say when patients call up and say, are you in my network? Well, you know, we accept all insurances, we utilize out-of-network benefits. Uh, we still file claims on your behalf. These are the things that we're telling them on the phone. And, you know, we still, like I said, we still have people coming in. I mean. What percentage do you, of your new patients do you think are new or are, are, are like completely new? Like they just got to you via, um, via your advertising efforts versus uh, word of mouth and do you can you can you give some advice on how exactly you shaped your advertising to yes. really select for those patients? Because that's the thing that I think is going to be pretty crucial is making Great sure question. That the right people find you. 
That's a great yeah, that question. Is, target market. That, yes, that is an excellent question. And yes, it is. You have to target who you want. You have to find out who your ideal patient is. You ask, you know, the the, the questions. I've taken a couple of uh, marketing classes about creating your avatar. You know, creating who do you want to market to? You know, for me, it's 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 tech people. It's uh, you know, we have a lot of technology around us. A lot of entrepreneurs. A lot of small businesses that don't even have insurance. Mm -hmm. um, which is another thing that I just started recently doing. I use a, a company called clear K L E E R oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. they help me direct market to small businesses that don't even have insurance. So you're already kind of at an advantage because you're their dentist. You know, you, you set the, you set the monthly fee to, to what you feel is necessary and reasonable. You decide what your discount is. You decide you know, no discount, some discount, 10%, 20%. I mean, it's up to you. It's entirely in your control. And, um, you know, membership programs are a huge part of where I feel that private practices are going because in order to have the necessary amount of money coming in, you have more control over that when you have a membership program versus a third party dictating everything. And so, you know, marketing wise, you also have to make sure that your SEO is, you know, completely on point. Sorry, my phone's ringing here. Um, your SEO is marketing directly to the people that you want. You know, do you want to see more implants? Do you want to see, you know, do you want to see people that are wanting to get whitening? Do you want to see people that are looking for cosmetics? Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the keywords that, I hit upon with Google AdWords. Uh, there's there's things that I really enjoy doing. I mean, I really I like to do cosmetic dentistry. I mean, it's it's fun. Is it my entire practice? No, it's probably less than five percent of my practice. The majority of my practice is single crown. Uh, you know, a class two, a class three. I mean, it's not anything crazy. Um, I do some occasional aligners. Most of the stuff I still refer out to ortho. I mean, it's. I do zero endo. I do zero oral surgery. Um, I don't place in plants. I'd like to start doing that. But these are the things that I don't even do because you know what? There's people that do them faster and better than me. And I'm fine with that, you know? So you said you took some advertising classes to help so, you develop your brand that way. Yes. So um, dental marketing that converts was one of the courses that I took. Uh, it was in, it was in Maui which was nice. Uh, <laughs> can't turn it, like can't turn that yeah. down. Right. Know, you know, sounds great. And uh, learned quite a few things on who, who is it that you are looking for? You know, it's, again, it's just rephrasing how you approach your business. Why are you here? Who do you want to treat? What are you looking for? Um, apologize for the phone ringing here. You know, it's, it's the, the, the sorts of things that when you're in dental school, you don't learn about any of this you learn about none of it. So you have to figure it out after the fact. And a lot of times you feel like you're too tightly wound within the in-network status to unwind yourself from it. So you just start with a couple of things. You start implementing the SEO, making sure the other thing is the NAP, the name, address, and phone. Uh, there's companies that make sure that your name appears exactly the same across every directory on the internet, which then increases your ranking on Google when people search for dentists in your area. Um, if you have, you know, three different ways that your practice is listed, it knocks your search ranking down. So you want to make sure that all of that is 
consistent. Um, can I just, can I just reemphasize the one thing that you just said, I thought was really interesting. You're talking about unwinding what you wound, right? That I thought that was a really neat way to say it. You're unwinding yeah. the participation. I thought that was really great wording. Right. Cause that's essentially what the process is. It's not, I've never told anybody who's asked me how to do it. I'm not like, Oh, just rip the bandaid off and you'll figure it out. It's, yeah, send out this letter. To, send out yeah. this letter. This right. is a magic letter. It has right. magic dust. Right. Right. When I post, and I've posted the letter that I've sent and it's more about, it was all that it was, was just reiterating what I've talked to my patients about over the past, over that prior year, but giving a definitive date as to when this was going to happen. And, you know, I sent it out certified so that every patient got it. And then, and I know that they received it. So it's not like, well, I never got that. It's, well, we saw that you signed for it and you have it. And we've talked about this multiple times and it's just trying to get better at how we communicate with people. And, uh, you know, your advertising has to reflect who you are as a practice, what types of procedures you like to do. What do you want to do? Like, where do you, again, I don't do any endo. Um, you know, it's, it's not my thing. And then that's okay. I've got other things that are in my wheelhouse and I enjoy doing them and I'm good at it. And so those are the things that I'm marketing for. Um, oh, any associates you know, looking to relocate to Boulder that love endo? We got a nice little fit. For bingo. There you go. <laughs> if you can find that apex, it's like, you know, work, working in the, working in a dark cave. Want to work like, in that dark hole. Good luck. Yeah. Good, have fun, you know, have fun. I'm going to stay above ground. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, 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 it's definitely something where I feel uh, it's best to know what you like and what you want to do. What, what do you get up in the morning for? You know, why are you doing this? Why did you become a dentist? What do you enjoy? You know, a lot of it is just connecting on a one-to-one -one level with people. I like talking to people. I mean, it's, it's fun for me. And I don't want to do something that I don't find enjoyable. And, and it was one of those things, um, you know, extractions are something that I've done when I was a resident and a first, in my first couple of years in practice, but I have a great oral surgeon that I work with down the street and you know it's it's fine i mean i'll i'll refer to them i want the patient to have the best possible outcome and if that's me doing it or if that's a specialist that i trust that's doing it it doesn't matter as long as that patient is taken care of best way possible that's all i care about so so we're, we're going to wrap up in a few so x you got any further final thoughts and questions and i know dan's going to have a few final thoughts and i'll just stay out of the way Mm. Um, a lot of my questions are still like kind of nuts and bolts, like financial stuff, but, uh, I think, <laughs> I think we're focusing more on, uh, you want to fire um, one up? Uh, oh, you know, well, I think, I think what he, uh, I was going to say like, you know, what type of financial groundwork did you have in place? Like, did you have so many months of overhead you could cover in case things didn't go as well as you expected and stuff like that? But it sounds like for uh dan that, that 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 ended up not being a concern and boy i i think i'd be really lucky if i a lot of people have done that that well a lot of people i've talked yeah. to have done that they set aside at least two or three months of working capital yes i i had uh i had about uh almost 90 days worth of working capital there you go and you go. and again it's all about creating the runway mm -hmm. so you want to have your marketing in place you want to have your plan 
as to the verbiage that you're training your employees on in place. You want to have, I mean, you don't, you don't have to have 90 days. I mean, I just, I kind of, you know, but that's about as much as I could do. And again, it's not, it, and again, it's not covering absolutely everything. It was just enough. Like it was almost like a little emergency fund sort of thing. Right. It was enough right. to cover all of the very bare minimum things. Um, you know, if I was to just cut my supply bills down to zero, I'm not, you know, accounting for that, but it's, again, it was almost like when we were shut down for eight weeks, it was enough to cover an event like that because I was at that time in the mindset of we might be shut down again. You don't know. I mean, it's unprecedented times. I mean, we'd never had dealt with that before. Right. And so I was thinking, well, if this is going to happen, and that's part of the reason why it took me a year to do it was I wanted to make sure that I was that during that entire time, it was just positioning myself to be able to pull this off and make it a smooth transit transition uh, you know, without worrying about things. And believe me, I worried about everything and I was afraid the whole entire time. Okay. Even up to the very last day when I dropped all those envelopes in the mailbox to my patients, I was afraid. And I'm like, this it may not work. And you know what? Everything I did to prepare Man. allowed it to work. And I knew that I was going to lose some patients and believe me, I don't want to, I didn't want to lose anybody. Right. Nobody That's wants to inevitable. lose. Yeah, you got to be. It's like, inevitable. See, but that came out. But that came out of your pores when you said that. That's a visceral gut human being speaking to a human being saying, "I appreciate you. I value you. This is how the business is going to go. I want you to be here with us." And, yes. and that that says way more than a letter. This is because they're looking at you eyeball to eyeball, and they are feeling what you're saying. Yes. And it's the emotion of it. I, I can't emphasize it enough. I think that's huge. Sorry. I think the, the last question I had to say, and it's just the one that you always get, is what would you do different? Like, is there anything that you wish you would have changed or are you pretty happy with everything you did? You know, the first time around when I, and I say first time when I dropped the majority of insurances from 2014 oh, right. to 2019, you know, I wouldn't have just said, ah, forget this recredentialing. I'm not even going to bother with it. It's, I would have done what I did for the last insurance. And, you know, I would have spent the time. I would have talked to patients face to face and given them the reasoning behind, you know, why we're doing this. Because again, this, this all started for me well before COVID. Like the writing was on the wall a long time well, ago. Five years. You said you started in 2014. Yes. Five years it, in. It was. Five years in, but you jump, but you, you remember the, that's 30%, you 70%, you got left. That's yep. still the lion's share. Yeah. So. And so I almost use those as a learning experience of, well, I better not do it that way again. There you go. And, right. and, and, <laughs> and, you know, and that's so that's where, and I didn't have the marketing in place and it was just, you know, because you're going from a completely different business model where you're just relying on all these plans to just pump you patients every month. Um, whereas you then have to shift it over to your own responsibility of these are the types of patients that I want to market to. These are the, the procedures that I want to do. This is what I, these are the types of outcomes that I'm looking to be able to provide for people. Um, so those are the sorts of things that I would have changed. The other big thing I would have changed is, I mean, I wish I would have done this way earlier. I wish 
Hmm. In 2014, I probably should have started this thing back in 2010. You know, I mean, it was two years after the housing market crashed, the economy was coming back, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but again, it's just all of this stuff. You weren't committed yet. I wasn't committed and I was, and I was, and I let fear drive me Mm -hmm. and it would, and it kept me locked in five, six years longer than it should have. And also when you're acting in what you think is an independent area, you forget that there's a lot of other people who've done this. And a lot of other people have done this. Not I'm not the only one. Yes. And that was what I learned throughout this whole process is there are so many people who have done this before me and have done it successfully right. and ha- have also had the same mindset of, I wish I had done this sooner, but they didn't know where to start. And if right. you don't even know where to begin, you're not going to be able to, 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 to reach the finish line. So part of all of this now is, when people ask me, how did you do it? I'm just here to try to help them have somewhere to start. I mean, you know, it's people approach me all the time. How did you do this? What did you do? What do you say to patients? What do you have your, your, your team members say, you know, how, how did this work for you? Do you regret it? I mean, that's the number one question I get. Do I regret it? No, I don't regret it at all. I'm seven months now out. And again, I wish I had done this years ago and it's, given me that ability to not be so afraid about, oh my gosh, my business is going to fail. It's the exact opposite now. It's like, okay, what, what new thing can I invest in technologically? You know, what procedure do I want to invest in to then be able to offer to my patients? You know, CEs cost money, right? You know, $10,000 to, to learn how to do a, a, a procedure. I mean, it, nothing is cheap. Everything costs money. And we have to be able to start thinking about it that way it's about trying to give those patients the better services. It takes time and money to do that. Well, guys, thank you very much. This has been super. I would love yeah, to thank you, Sonny. Um, I would love to revisit it, see how things are going. How about six months, three months? Let's let's sit back down. Will that work for you guys? Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Um, sounds great. Love it. I hope too that I get a chance to uh, you know share this. Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.